This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven. Robbery homicides take you. Give me all you got! Listen. Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. I'm trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's LA crime opus Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard, and joining me once again, he's back. It was as promised. He's going to come back for another, uh, surely another time. We could keep talking forever. He is Mr. Mark Zerby. He is the author of Al Pacino's The Movies Behind the Man, and he's a rabid uh, consumer of all sorts of uh, masculine macho machismo movies like this. Um, he's also a film critic and a broadcaster in the UK. So if you're in the UK listener, hello and welcome. I know there are some of you out there. I know it isn't just Mark that's listening to these episodes following along. So you know where to find him. You know where to find him. Mark, mate, thank you so much for coming back to One Heat Minute. No, thank you. Thank you for having me back on, Blake. I mean, you know, you, you've done once again, like the last time, you've sort of built me up way bigger, way bigger. <laughs> I, I kind of like it. You know, you, you're going there. He's a consumer of action movies, machismo. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, I, you must be looking at a different picture to me, mate. I'll be honest. But there we go. I'll take it. I'll happily take no, that. Take Any it. introduction like that. Take it's it. fine with me. One little project that Mark's working on at the moment, and I won't I won't spoil anything just in case it, it, there's any embargo. But he's told me about particularly about the special features of a film that he's sort of uh, uh, he's working on a, a, a an anniversary release of a cult film uh, where he's gotten to chat to a director, and I'm I'm freaking excited is all I'll say. So keep an eye out on Mark's Twitter; he'll let you know when the appropriate time is for that. But uh, mate, thank you for coming back. We're at the 78th minute. You know, and I and I just said this like just before hitting record to you. It's scary now because we are nearly halfway through this project. Halfway. It's incredible to think as well. You know, halfway. Realistically, most halfway films are around what the forty-five, fifty-minute <laughs> yeah. mark. You I know, was, something like could have been that. a ninety-minute. Could have could have yeah. been a hundred and twenty minutes. I could be third, <laughs> two-thirds of the way through, but not with heat. I chose no. You work. chose one of the longest films. I mean, it would, that would be like me choosing The Godfather Part 2 and thinking, Jeez. this is a good idea. Three I'll out. rip through this in a year. And now look Three what's hours. happened. Like, what is... you're now, what, seven years into this project? <laughs> Not quite seven. It's actually crazy. It was it was one of those things that, and so for folks who know, you know, the, the goal of One Hit Minute is two episodes a week and a couple of times we've stalled and we had to go one and then you guys will get, do a catch-up week where it's three episodes the next week, etc. But it was literally two episodes a week so that it would be done in two years because it, I said one episode a week originally. I was like, this could go on for four years. I just was like, no, 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 no. It'll go past the 25th anniversary of the movie and it's like, no, we don't want that to happen. So we're just getting this... We're getting this happening now. Um, but, guys, it's the 78th minute. Um, as usual on the show, we do a little bit of business at the beginning just to say it is the theatrical release Blu-ray, which is not the glorious 4K definitive edition with all the colors regraded and the sound pretty damn amazing. And uh, uh, it, the, the, the 4K Blu-ray is just slightly off. For whatever reason, the time codes on about three of the different releases, whether it's the DVD and the Blu-ray or the more definitive edition, the 4K, or if you got it on VOD, because I know, you know, many people on this um, 
uh, on this podcast who are subscribers might have it on multiple devices, like if you just want it on your iPhone, like me, so you can occasionally watch the Christopher Nolan Q&A with Michael Mann and uh, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro just for fun while you're at work, um, listening to them talk and uh, listening to Chris Nolan ask really highfalutin questions to Robert De Niro, um, and Robert De Niro like look at Pacino and Michael Mann and go, how the hell do I answer this thing? Um, it's it's if, if you're that kind of person, um, you might have it on multiple devices, but as always, we will watch the minute. I'll do my best to explain the minute um, where it's at exactly and precisely so you can cue it up um, and then we'll go from there. But the minute we're up to is we've had an amazing minute. Just It's an amazing sequence. It's finally Vincent Hanna, Pacino's crew, is on Neil's crew and they've just discovered it. And it really... A, an incredibly dynamic scene between, I guess, Krisha Healis, who's Neil um, Robert De Niro's main confidant, and sort of he gets posed the question, what the hell should we do? We've got the heat. The heat is around the corner. And what are we going to do with this? Um, Chris is definitive. He's like, we need to do this. We've got to go for it. I know it might be a bad idea, but this is where I jump out. And Tom Sizemore pretty much has his most emotional uh, and and sort of most sophisticated, I guess, would you say, Mark? Most sophisticated performative moment of the film because he's like yeah. having to rest. He's having to wrestle over what the hell to actually do, um, and he and yeah. he's not being ordered. He's, he's a great soldier. He's not being ordered by Neil to do something. He's saying, "No, you make your decision." Because if you say where go, and more people want to do this, we'll do it. Um, so we're just on the cusp of that, and we get some great Danny Trejo. We get some great Pacino stalking. We lead right up um, to the beginning of uh, the the infamous great-ass scene, and I'm sorry that Mark's not here, but I thought I would bring him in nice and close to that scene because he's obviously, as a Pacino aficionado, that is a great and important <laughs> scene in the in the canon. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll watch this minute together now. You guys can listen along, and then we'll come back and talk many things about it. Here we go. Yeah, sure. Let's go. <laughs> Fuck them. Let's do it. All right, let's go. We got a lot of work. <laughs> well, I you can't go in there. Watch this. Excuse me. That. Uh, Tim, wait, I gotta clean that. Wait, wait, you have to have an appointment. Can I help you? Are you Alan Marciano? Yeah, and who the fuck are you? Ow, am I? Hey! hey. Lieutenant hey. Vincent Hanna, LAPD. LA, this is Las Vegas. You don't even have jurisdiction here. Hey! Hey, hey, I don't know who the fuck you guys think you're pushing around, but I know people here, okay? Las Vegas PD takes you into custody. You are extradited to Newark on a New Jersey warrant for smuggling cigarettes up from North Carolina three years ago. Or you go to work for us. What a great scene, Mark. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting minute because you've got the first you know, 10 or 15 seconds, you've got Pacino, uh, you've got De Niro and the crew, and then all of a sudden it flips to you know, Pacino and the crew, basically. So it's a minute where you're getting both sides. And I, I imagine that probably doesn't happen that much, in, certainly in the individual minutes, because, you know, man's obviously idea is to spread the scenes out, to make it long, to, to go long on these things. So for... 
for you to pick this minute and actually to get both sides of it, you know, the good guys and the bad guys, it's kind of an interesting idea, really, because you were like, now we're get, early. We're going to talk about the bad guys. Then we're going to talk about the good guys. But, uh, you know, we say good guys in the loosest possible terms, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And you're right, because the first time we've seen Pacino, as in Hannah and the Robbery Homicide Division crew, they're above the restaurant, they're behind that neon sign, behind the cage, you know, that beautifully lit scene by Dante Spinotti, and they're looking down, you know, these guys can get the surprise of a lifetime sort of scene. But here we see them in their work clothes. They're out there, they're in the middle of work, and it's like, I love the echoes between scenes, and so I love that this minute straddles two very different scenes, but in, in the same theme as you're talking about, which is one where he's like, where he asks Treo, he's like, yeah, and you? And he's like, yeah, you know, whatever. You know, it's good. Like, uh, after all the drama of Chris and then Michael, he asked Trey, he's like, yeah, whatever. That, that's my favorite thing about it. I, I love that at the beginning where, you know, as you said, there's this emotional thing where they're like, listen, guys, if you want to do it, you've got to come in. You've got to and whatever else. And there's the anger and they go, and you? And he goes, yeah, oh, fuck it, man, whatever. I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know, like, you know he, i don't think he's in the film enough to be honest with you i know that obviously you know he's, he's kind of a secondary character and and obviously later on that there's mm. a, a big issue with him but early on we don't get enough of him especially with attitude like that yeah fuck it man just do it i don't yeah. give a shit i think there's and I'll, I'll probably reference it again um but i think Trio, you know as a new actor like this is a guy who's been in prison and he comes out into the scene and he starts getting into acting. He does this and Robert Rodriguez is Desperado almost around the same time. But it's like a guy f- learning how to act. And like as much as people like might tease Danny Trejo or Danny Trejo movies or whatever or have a laugh at it, he's really like quite an accomplished actor. Like he can pull off mm. things. And this time he's so green. So Michael Mann I think uses him per- to perfect effect. Like let the two guys who are, you know, these powerhouse actors have these emotional moments and then just ease the – ease the, I guess, the tension or the, you know, the the heightened state that we're in by just like a guy who goes, yeah, fuck it, who gives a shit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's kind of of sucking the tension out of the scene within a a brief moment. You know, you, as you said, you kind of go, wow, okay, yeah, uh, all of this, and then all of a sudden it just sucks it out. Yeah, and he's like, we've got work to do. So you just bang straight into the next scene. But you're right, work clothes here where um, I'm just sort of playing the minute as uh, Mark and I are talking on on mute and then bang, it's literally, I think it's 13 seconds into the minute and 17 seconds into the minute. Um, We're already seeing the guys and then we see... Um, we see Drucker and we see Casals and Wes Studi and obviously Pacino and the Nevada policeman and just like a uniform cop with them as they're walking through. But uh, I I love that... um, I love how quickly here in this moment, it's so funny. Uh, this is this one of my favorite parts of this entire minute, Mark. I think it might be even one of my favorite parts of the entire movie. Just a little subtle thing. It was where the woman goes, you can't go in there. And he just goes, watch this. <laughs> he just yeah. walks in. <laughs> but he doesn't even look at her. That's the thing. No. If you watch him, he's looking into the office and the woman is on the other side, basically. And as you said, he goes, she goes, oh, you can't go in there. And he goes, watch this. As it, you know, it, it's it's so funny. But I just want to go back to the, the just before that, where you first see uh, Hannah and the rest of his team walking. There's this music to it, this beat of music that it, it's kind of 
it's like a pounding guitar. It's almost like um, the guitar from the Beastie Boys sabotage to a certain degree. Yes. And it feels like it's an entrance music. You know, if you were like a WWE wrestler or something, you have your own entrance music. That's what it feels like in this moment. Like yes. you've got here's the Hannah entrance music. No, 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 no. And it matches up would then walk in as well this is the beauty of it it's kind of like the as i said entrance music here they are get ready because something's gonna go down and and what's even funnier is it it all like it and we've, we're just watching this minute on a loop right now as we're talking but it's like she goes to talk to him and he goes watch this he just doesn't doesn't even talk to doesn't even acknowledge no nope. and, and you get marciano as and this is the balls of Marciano and like the fake braggadocio bravado that he has. I love, which is there's a cop in uniform. There's massive, there's a massive bald Nevada police officer who he has no idea who he is. You have the incredibly like hulking man that Michael T. Williamson is. He's huge. Like he's a huge guy. Um, Wes yeah. Studi, like e- extremely intimidating looking man. And Pacino, the most diminutive of all those guys, but has that intensity. So he comes in with like, are you Alan Marciano? And he's confident, but he's not, he's not hostile. And then this idiot, like he puts his finger in his face, 35 seconds. And you watch, you can see the great West Judy just frozen. I'm just like, you can see, and it's the change in Pacino's behavior almost instantaneously that is perfect because as soon as that finger goes in his nose like who the hell do you think you are he just bang grabs his hand flips him over the table doesn't give a crap throws him down into his table and then then starts the spiel but it's like i i almost think exactly like you were talking about before he's got this show entrance and if he was being respected in that scene you would imagine that vincent plays it in an almost completely different manner yeah. Whereas yeah. the fact that that index finger nearly touches the tip of his nose, um, I think that it, it just completely, it completely changes everything. It does. Absolutely. Well, it's, um, you know, you, the way that the camera is shot is behind Marciano. So we don't really get to see him until he is flipped around. So you're seeing it behind. You're seeing Hannah and everybody walk in. And then as Marciano stands up, the camera follows him, moves behind him. And then when we get the finger in the face, that's when we see who this guy is, really. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of interesting to watch because it's it, the, the camera goes right into his face look how close it gets into marciano's face it's really tight it's it's almost like and and also if you notice there's a little desk lamp there which is an underlight um and when marciano gets pushed onto the desk by hannah he's kind of under the light a little bit almost like you know those classic police procedural moments where put him under the lights make him sweat it's almost like that i mean you know you're watching it here look he goes right under that light look and then the light is on him you know it's it's kind of an interesting way to show it i love do you know what my favorite bit about this whole thing is where hannah shows him the badge but realistically he doesn't he just goes yeah it's here bye you know, he t- he showed and goes, it's, it's just mean, the cursory you know, glance. It's the cursory glance. It is. I'm just struck by it and just and, and watching it in a loop over and over again. Like, what what is that particular image? It's like it's 25 seconds into the minute, and it's that like that's like the James Bond villain boss. Yeah, 
like even Dr. Claw from like Inspector Gadget moment for Hank Azaria's <laughs> um, Al Marciano because it's like he's being shot from the back. It's, it exudes power because it's sort of all blurred. He's in the foreground. It's the back of his head. His foot's up on his desk um, and there's other stuff happening in front of him. And then it's like when the focus shifts, it's like the power shifts. Like that's literally, he's in there on yeah. the phone acting like he's all, he's all powerful. And then when Vincent walks in, it's a complete shift. And I love that it's not a cut. It's a, a camera being moved and stood up and then back down. It does a great pivot back down to his face. Exactly like you said, here's my badge just as a cursory glance. The, um, the light and then bang. It's this beautiful dance with the camera. It's not cuts. It's movements, and then you get the two yeah. shot that's set up, perfect for the next explanation. And I just love, and I'm just sort of pointing out to Mark, I love the staging of these three guys because they are all in pristine focus. You know, even though yeah. the lighting is softened back on Wes um, Studios Casals in the background, you get he's got such a miraculously, I would say, expressive face without doing too much. He just can do the most passive of like tiny tiny gestural changes on his face and like you can read so much into it but it's just that great thing great lines here we are just so good it's well they are they are stood in the background you can see them because they're letting hannah take the lead as they always do because you know this is the guy with the ball size of dumper trucks why wouldn't you let this guy lead i'm just going to stand in the back and then obviously what happens is in this moment is that actually Hannah stops talking and obviously uh, Michael Williamson starts talking and it's a lot calmer. There's a little, you know, there's a, it's almost like there's a serene moment from a policeman. A lot. And, and, and know, how good, how, how good is that? How it, it, it's the beginning of Drucker. They're talking, but you got to love, I haven't really noticed it before. Look at the wave. Look at the wave that this cop gives him. He's like, he's from Nevada. The wave is just peeks into the bottom of the frame. How freaking cool is that? Hold on, I'm going to press play. Bang. There it is. See the little wave that pops up? Oh, sorry, you couldn't see it. I didn't have it framed up for you. But no, no, but, but it's fine because you can kind of understand it because, I mean, he is Las Vegas police. So re- as they said, he's got the jurisdiction there. So he should be the one who's doing the talking yes. because he's going to tell them. No, no, the guy, he just waited. He just stands there because clearly he stood at the back. He's like, Ivan, I'm not going you know, toe-to-toe with Hannah. I'm just going to let this guy just go completely bonkers about it. Yeah, I mean, there he is, just waving away at him. Yeah, I'm here, but I'm just going to let this guy, this crazy guy, do all of the talking, even though realistically he's got nothing at all. He can't do anything, but I'm just here to sort of prop him back up. But he's the fourth in command, really. When you look at who's in that room, he's fourth in command, (laughs) even though he's not. You know, he's the guy who's got everything. That's what makes me laugh about it. It really does, you know. I mean, it's... (laughs) And that guy's a mountain of a man. He's a big guy. And you think even he's not going to take on Hannah, who is, you know, the diminutive Pacino, very small. Everybody takes the piss out of his height and whatever else. But But I think this this guy's like, leave it. But Michael Mann, I think one thing Michael Mann does well is he uses physicality appropriately. Like Mm. Vincent is, Vincent is physical and so is De Niro. De Niro has always been the more physical of the two actors, you know, you know, obsessively with Raging Bull, etc. Like he's he's the guy who's been cut and had his shirt off for a whole movie, etc. Kate Fear, Max Cady, you know, crazy. Um, but there's no moment where, you know, where he doesn't feel like he's going to get into a scrap. Like Vincent will get into a scrap with you. Like you're in you're in trouble if you're Marciano. Like Marciano doesn't look happy, and and Pacino looks totally comfortable throwing him down into a chair. 
and he's got his big guys standing there. So he's got his like he's he's not getting the goons to do the dirty work. Like, hey, Drucker, grab this guy because he's pointing his finger in my face. He's like grabbing his hand and going, bang, get in that freaking chair, get on the table first. It's just a yeah. nice dance. It's just such a great little bit of choreography with shifting focuses all around. It's clearly it's clearly had to be steady cammed. Um, to do those movements, unless they designed it on a, would they have done it on a, uh, on a dolly to do those three those angles? Do you think? I mean, part of me thinks it is because it's a very static. Uh, you know, the camera is not moving all over the place if yeah. you were holding it. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, if it is, if somebody is just holding that camera, then wow, they've got the steadiest hand ever. Yeah, they really have. Because you, you know, yeah, you look it, it, it might be on a dolly because it does come up in a really lovely steady arc. But what? I, and then it swings back down nicely into that point, and then pans up again, down, and then into the chair and around before it does the next setup. But it's a really, you know, the blocking of that, the blocking of that particular sequence has to be perfect because the camera's got to hit focuses on shift hit, uh, shift and hit focuses and maintain the room focus as it goes down because it, it it doesn't lose focus when it's on Azaria's face under the lamp as you pointed out in that great sort of uh sort of old school interrogation um look there's um there's I've been you know as part of this project I continually dive into people writing about Michael Mann and the preparation and things like that that these actors went through. And one of the more recent things, which is sort of, I'm, I'm trying to find more that's written about it, but they talk about, they talked a lot about the crooks in this film in disguise casing a bank to rob. Um, but they also had all of the cops in the film um, and so perfectly, as uh, Mark will see behind my right shoulder as we're talking, um, it, is this interrogation like? Because they had all the cops interrogate real crooks, like real former crooks, like get them into interrogation rooms just for the exercise of what it would be like to try and get information. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so funny because, like, it doesn't really have anything significant in a completely, like, uh, direct sense where they're interrogating someone. But Hannah does it all the time. You know, Tarina... Now, with Hank Azaria's character, Hugh Benny later, they're like full-on interrogations later, you know, all sprinkled throughout this movie. And the thing is, as well, is those these interrogation moments are not your standard police procedural interrogation things that that most of us are used to that we see in the standard films standard tv shows you know the 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 aggression here is way over the top yeah. way over the top yeah. i mean the machismo that's oozing <laughs> from hannah is ridiculous you know you you couldn't put this scene in in you know ncis or anything else like that because it would look out of place it would look out of place in, in most but because of the energy that is happening throughout this entire film, not just this sequence, but the entire film, especially with Hannah, it feels like it is a standard moment in Hannah's life. It feels like it's a standard moment in Cassell's life as well. You know, like like he's like, yeah, we're, th- this is how we are. This is how we are. You know, he's the big guy. I'm just going to stand at the back. And here's the funny thing as well is you'll see this as well, actually. The, 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 it's brilliant that you've got the scene paused just there. So this is 49 seconds into this minute. If you look at Cassell's in the background, he's stroking the gun. 
He's stroking the gun. He's the only person who's got a gun out in this in this entire sequence. But he stood there and he's like, yeah, I've got a silver gun out. That's right. What of it? I'm happy to use it. Get ready. And the thing is, as well, is it's not like an AK-47 or anything else like that. No, it's a really small gun. He's just but, holding you know, it. He's, he's just nursing his revolver and gently patting it. <laughs> this is the thing. I don't know if this is on purpose or not, but, you know, the, the position of where he's gently stroking it as well has not gone unnoticed either. You know, I mean, it's not as though he's got it up by his his no, chest or anything else like that. It's, it's around the groin area. But it's, you in, know, it's, it's in the eye line. It's in the eye line. Like, look at where yeah. his area's eye line is and then look at that gun. It's, like, exactly in his eye line. As soon as Vincent stands up, he's going to catch it. But you're right. It's about. I think it's about opposing energies, though, because Hannah is, like, high energy and keeping him completely off guard. And what you love about the Nevada cop who's standing in the corner, you love about Casals and you love about Michael T. Williamson, as all their characters and, and, and performers, they are standing there like statues. Like, this is so normal to me. Like, we will let this guy go. Like, we're not, like, stop, Vincent. There's no good cop, bad cop. It's just no. it's just aggressive cop, and we're just here. Like, we're just the passive yeah. audience. You know how many times we've seen this happen? And imagine how much more disconcerting it would be, you know, if you've ever been unlucky enough to have someone be aggressive at you, um, and someone thinks that it's going to get violent, or someone's with that person, they think it's going to get violent, they will go and grab that person. And you're like, oh, okay. This is not usual. But if someone just stood there <laughs> and let someone be completely hyper-aggressive at you, like, oh, I'm in really big trouble because this happens a lot. This, like, even yeah. unconsciously, this happens a lot. And to, it's exactly yeah. your point. This happens a lot in the world of Vincent Hanna, this composite of this three is, people, this composite of this three is, crazy people. Yeah. This is not Hannah going full tilt crazy either. You can look, I mean, look at their faces behind him. They're like that. Yeah, this is this is normal. You know, if I think that if Hannah had gone beyond the edge, which, you know, he does in this film anyway, but I'm talking so far beyond, they would probably pull him back. But we don't see that because, no. uh, as you said, this is the standard. This is what he's like. We're used to it. It's not our fault. You're not used to it. This is the game now, you know, these are, we're the, the new police. And you wonder if he's, you know, what's so cool about this scene, just from a, like a narrative perspective, um, you know, is before we get into sort of really awesome power dynamics, like visually displayed, but like they've already got him by the balls, so to speak, when they walk in the room, which is we've got you on a beef that's going to extradite you to New Jersey on a warrant for illegally exporting things or you work for us. And so that's the whole spiel. It's like right now, I don't like care about you. You are not like, you're so nothing to me. I've already got yeah. you pinched if I want. You're done. So just cooperate with me. Don't be a smart ass. Don't give me any lip because it's over. Like it doesn't matter. Um, and it's, I, I feel like in that moment, it's that finger, that great shift of power, that finger that like makes Hannah go nuts here. Because he's like, this guy is going to get, like, this guy was already gone when I walked in. Like, he just wanted to say, watch this. He was ready to just go and hand this guy, you know, you know, hand him his shitty cards deck, the, you know, shitty hand of cards that he was about to deal in anyway. Um, but it's like the fact that he did that. But like, and, you know, that's that's the whole beauty just going onto the visuals. That's the whole beauty of like the power dynamic shifting here. You've got James Bond villain style, you know, Captain Claw sitting behind his desk or Dr. Claw rather sitting behind his desk. He's there. He's in all the power. He's in all the focus. Um, and 
and then literally when he's standing up, he, he stands up, he's still he's still the man, he's still towering a bit over Vincent, the finger goes up, and then bang, the whole power shifts, bang, on the table, what are you doing? And it's just that brief moment for a split second where like, is Vincent going to be this guy? What's Vincent going to do? Yeah. Oh no, Vincent's <laughs> going to do exactly what we know Vincent's going to do in the entire Well, that, that's the thing, as you said as well, is the fact that, you know, he, uh, it's, I think Hannah is pissed off because he gets up and he goes towards him with an aggressive manner. And, and Hannah's like, sorry, nobody does that to me. I do that to you. I come to you and smash you in the face. You don't start poking your finger in my face. And that's what, changed. as you said, it wouldn't surprise if he'd have just sat there like most people in most TV shows where they go, we're behind the desk. Uh, sorry, who are you? What What do you want? It would have been fine. It would never have played out like this. No. But because he's got that aggression and I, part of me thinks that it is that American psycho um, uh, attitude as well. Oh, you know, I like Patrick it. Bateman, yeah, yeah. where obviously he comes out. I've got the suit on. I've got the shiny shoes. You don't come, you know, listen, you don't talk to me like that. I talk to you and whatever else. And then all of a sudden he realizes, actually, I'm up against the wrong person here. And within that, as you said, within that split second, the power shifts so quickly, so quickly in that room. It doesn't move around. It just goes from one man into a suit to another man in a suit. But it's it is completely different. It really is. And it's I think, you know, you're you're. An English guy, I'm an Aussie guy. It would be unconscionable. So this is one just for American listeners um, of One Hit Minute. It would be unconscionable for most Aussie folk or British folk that if a cop comes up to talk to you, to ever act flippantly or just keep going about your business. So like one of the things of watching Law and Order for like Aussies and Brits is like one huge cultural divide is that you often see the cops in law and order they they're like they'll go to a mechanic you know it might just be a character who like saw a person who worked on a person's car as a suspect for a murder and so when they go talk to that mechanic he's still working like he's got his hands dirty his hands in an engine he's changing a battery whatever and i just go that would never be an aussie person or a brit like it would just <laughs> never we would stop panic wonder if we'd done yeah. any crimes where was i speeding yes. all those things and then and then go, oh, crap, and then sit down at the office, uh, wash your hands, you know, sit down with the police, let them ask you questions, and then you go back to your job. But it's just so funny. It just doesn't happen. Like So what I love about this is that it's that sense of entitlement. It's very, you know, he's a New Jersey guy as well. You get that little bit of detail. It's like this guy's probably had some dodgy connections, um, uh, uh, you know, all of that, uh, you know, it, it, it's as rich as the godfather to go back to like, you know, New Jersey uh, in, imports, exports, you know, Sopranos comes on <laughs> not too many years later than this. It's, it's, you're not surprised that there's a guy like that that acts like Hank Azaria that would get in the face of a cop. Like, you don't have anything on me, bugger off. Um, but yeah. it's so it's so funny. But, like, that's one of the things I'm like, that would never, if that was an Australian, it would just never happen. It would just, ne- we'd no. just, just never happen. Go, oh, I'm sorry, what? It wouldn't, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't happen here either. You know, <laughs> as you said, we would sweat profusely and think, <laughs> my goodness, what? Oh my God, he's coming over to talk. And then they'll go, uh, do you know where you can get a good sandwich around here? And you go, 
Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you talk really quickly to get it out and get rid of them as well. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even something like that. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it is comp- th- this moment is so alien to some of us, yes. and yet so normal to a lot of people as well that it's kind of funny how different it is and how different it plays out to everybody. And and we've you know later on in Michael Mann's um, work, and particularly. I like this bit of business as well around the explanation of the jurisdictions because it's a it could be a plot hole that not many people even care about also just from like a pure plotting I'm saying mm. some exposition so people understand what's happening is he doesn't really need to do this like this big bald guy who's currently on the minute at 51 seconds that I've just paused on um, the, from the Nevada police he doesn't need to really be even in this scene but it's just important to go if you've got a guy who's seeing a girl, he's from Nevada. There's no reason why an LA robbery homicide division cop is talking to this guy ever. And 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 I think that gives him a little bit of like a modicum of bravery again to go like, oh, you're from LAPD. What the hell are you doing here? You know, like gives him that last little bit of, you know, thinking that he can <laughs> wriggle out of the situation. Um, but yeah. it's great. It's great. You know, just really punchy structure. Take a look. There's your mate. He waves to you. He's going to take you in on a beef that goes you to New Jersey and gets you extradited and gets you that unless you get a word for us. Um, and yeah. so it's just that good little turn of phrase and it's a great way to sort of clear up a potential plot hole or something that was like inauthentic in that scene. It just goes bang, bang, bang. He knows what he's talking about and then it gets into the fun bits. But um, the, 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 the great bit just after this is where Hannah leans back and he's still pulling on his tie, still pulling on Marciano's tie. He just keeps pulling on it, just keeps pulling him in, keeps pulling him in. It's brilliant. I mean, it's so much fun. It really is. It's just pulling him in as well, you know, and I just think, well, here's the thing um, about, I I can tell you this story, actually, that uh, this whole sequence uh, was shot on April 25th, 1996. How do I know that? That's because that was uh, Hank Azaria's birthday, and this was his first day of filming, basically. So what happened was they'd, they'd had the table reads and whatever else. And, you know, the, there was no great ass. Well, it was there in the script, obviously, but I can't imagine that they played it out. So first day on set, he knows what's coming. And yet at the same time, he doesn't know what's coming because, you know, Pacino just <laughs> and at, goes. And at the, 57, at, the, at the 57th second, just sorry to interrupt your story. We're just watching yeah. the freeze frame. If you want to listen to Mark, there is a Mark story. You need to look at this freeze frame of Hank Azaria's just face a gog he just does not yeah. know what is going on it's great well this is the thing is, is that all of a sudden he's like i'm out of the realms of standard acting and and you know that's what happens actually in the next minute where he goes jesus you know it's almost like he can't compute that actually we're still acting or is pacino actually gonna you know knock seven bells of shit out of me i don't know but that's the beauty about this is the fact that he turns up for work he's thinking yeah yeah great it'll all go perfectly fine whatever else and then all of a sudden pacino turns up and goes right i'm gonna throw you on the desk i'm gonna pull your tie i'm gonna keep nodding into you and whatever else and and the funny thing about it is everything that you see in this moment is the first take because that's what man liked about it. Man liked the fact that Azaria didn't know what was happening and he was he was reacting to it. Great. But at the same time, he was half reacting as Marciano and half reacting as himself. All, because all, all what, of this cut. All, yeah. All of this cut up into this moment um, until the uh, there's like a turn of phrase here where there's a couple of cuts. Everything we've seen so far is one cut, which is Mark's exactly right on. It's perfect. It goes ahead. The shock is there. 
but it was a few cuts later because like the scene wasn't working when Pacino eventually did the great ass thing and like got in his face about it. But the reaction, like, because, because it wasn't working. So he just was doing things. He was like, ah, like you're a great ass. But like this whole scene, the pulling on the tie, the face agog, like how attuned was Al Pacino to Vincent Hanna to just live that, to like make someone look like that, to make someone look like that in a scene with well, them. This is the thing, but this is what goes back to the method acting. You know, we don't talk about method acting enough at all because there's very few practicing method acting now. You know, very few of the newcomers, to be honest. Yes. So this is method acting. This is Pacino going into the role. And I'm not just talking about spending, you know, half an hour or an hour finding the character or, you know, like what's his name who played the Joker sending dildos to his, his cast member. No, no, that's not method acting. That's not method. You know, you spend months. And as you were saying earlier, actually, Blake, you know, they spent time with the real police interrogation. They spent time with real police learning how to shoot as well. So, you know, this is full method acting from Pacino, even when it's full on crime crazy where as we said earlier it wouldn't happen it just wouldn't happen something like this but you know dials that method acting up further it goes to 11 basically and this is what you get you get this type of reaction which if you were made if you were filming the scene you said yeah yeah this is what's going to happen we want you to respond to it chances are he would go oh wow blimey i said you know it wouldn't be it wouldn't have that shock value to it, which is what you've got on the screen at the moment, which is brilliant, where he's just kind of a gog. He's like his mouth is open. Like, I have no idea what to say to this guy at all. And it kind of feels like in that moment, he's probably going to just tilt his head to the side, look at Michael Mann and go, are we still going? Is I'm not still, sure what's we, happening now. And one thing that I've watched again, and this is like really re- recurred to me in some stuff that I've been doing for some additional research of heat, like just um, uh, trying to get, uh, make sure there's no stone unturned in any of my heat research. One thing that man has said in like maybe four or five consecutive different documentaries and interviews I've heard about heat is he does not. And, and, and in all of his films, he likes to rehearse to know enough um, to to know the pacing, um, to know the blocking, uh, to know those things, but he never wants to be, you know. And there's the most famous and and a Pacino um, uh, alumni and 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 fellow director Sidney Pollock, oh sorry Sidney Lumet, um, uh, uh, as well. Um, Sidney Lumet would rehearse the living daylights out of his actors. And then get them on to set and then do the movie. Whereas man is a little bit, for all of the preparedness, he's a guy who doesn't like to rehearse too much, just enough because he Mm. feels that there's like one perfect, he goes, people will do a scene once or twice perfectly and then it's gone. Like it's, it's completely gone. Mm. And so it's even to the point in, in this where you're, like you said, they come in, there's the energy, there's the ferocity and then it, it, you can't sustain that forever, right? Like you can't, it's, it's just not, it's not possible to sustain no. it. And so um, I think that's what's really, really cool is that, that it is sustained here. They do what they've got to do. And, and then, you know, the next, in the next minute, you, we're going to talk about it. You guys are going to listen to it. Um, you know, that, that infamous scene is like, it's the purity of uh, he's embodying the character. What would the character do to completely take this guy even further off base? I'm just going to shock him. And then the perfection of the shock is also like, you know, he's already a gog, but the perfection of the shock in the next scene is even better um, for that yeah. reason. Cause it's just like bang once or twice. And, and, and it I happens. Want, 
Yeah, I want to say something else as well. You've got it at 57 seconds. If you can scoot it to 59 seconds, there's a shot of Pacino, basically. It's it, As it comes back from Marciano with his mouth agog and whatever else, um, it goes back to Pacino. And you can see, just as he finishes talking, basically, he rolls his tongue. He rolls it in that cocksure manner. You know how you have people who just sort of chew their tongue when they've done something right? They go, yeah, yeah, I'm so good here. I'm so good. <laughs> it's that type of cocksure. It's just there. It's just a little turn of the tongue. And it's brilliant because it is. <laughs> yep, I've got it. You know, here we are. Fantastic. But also, and this is something that me and you touched upon when I was on last time, Blake, was when we were talking about when we first discovered that actually Hannah was on drugs and they never yes. put it into the film, but actually, obviously, you know, subsequently they have told everybody. Part of me wonders if this to uh, role of the tongue is also to try and clean his teeth to get, you know, the last little dregs <laughs> of what's going on there to keep him pumped. Because obviously in the next minute you have that that great ass sequence. Is that coming from him? rolling the tongue, getting a bit off his teeth, and all of a sudden his intensity going right back up again, you know, because the drugs are hitting his system so quickly. Uh, but uh, the, the tongue roll is brilliant. I, I think, love it. I, whether, I think you're, you could be spot on with saying that that's, you could read that. Um, I just think it's, I think it's, in, it's the kind of insulting, it's the most insulting sort of like, uh, like, I, I own you. <laughs> like, like it's, yeah. you're, like, regardless of whether it was that or not and i think you know depending on how deep pacino went with that i think it's a it's a good read i think it's a definitely a valid read in in like the revisionist view of this entire movie of you know vincent hannah is a dude who chips cocaine to hunt down crooks um or to stay sharp but like i just think right now he's just he's in his element he's like he's said his spiel he's got this guy by the balls he's his face is agog he's like oh i own you like I'm just going to toy yeah. with you now because you're an idiot. Like you, you, yeah. you, you weren't going to get any of this from me, but that one finger in my nose is such a profound insult for something someone like him that it's just like no. And you, what I love is um, uh, that I I like I like Vincent so much in the big moments because I think it all suits exactly what the character is to the ground. When he's playing with someone who is who he doesn't respect, he treats them like this. He yells at them. He gets in their face because he shows them that he doesn't care. Like I don't, you, you can't do anything to me. But then you get someone like Neil, yeah. who he deeply respects, and he's not going to act like this with Neil. There's no tongue hanging out. There's no he's There's no unnecessary swagger. It's stoicism. It's strength. It's reaction and uh, you know e equal reactions. Like I think, man, a couple of times there's like two great boxers. You know, when someone faints one way, they they parry the next way. You know, they do their thing. And so here he's just like it's like he's it's like he's the heavyweight champion of the world, and he's just sparring a guy who's had one fight. It's like this is nothing. It's you are nothing Do you know what? You've, you're exactly right with that, actually, Blake. And do you know what it reminds me of? Because you just said boxers there. If anybody ever remembers the boxer Prince Nassim Hamid um, from about, oh, blimey, 20 years ago, British boxer, he had that same swagger. You know, he was a guy who went undefeated for years and years, and he would turn up at the ring, and, you know, he'd, he just had this entire swagger about him. So you saying it's a boxer, I'm now looking, and I'm thinking – if that was going to be a boxer, that would be Prince Nassim Hamid in his heyday because, you know, he had that type of cocky swagger where he just 
you know, he hadn't even started boxing yet and he would look at the opposition in the opposite side of the ring and just go, I already own you. It does not matter. And that's what Hannah is doing in that right at the end of this moment with the tongue roll. He's going, yep, you're mine. It does not matter. <laughs> it doesn't you're matter. Sat down. It does not matter that we are from L.A. and you're in Las Vegas. It doesn't matter. You're still mine. <laughs> well, on that note, this has been another exceptional episode of One Heat Minute with a true Pacino aficionado, Mr. Mark Servi. Uh, the tongue roll. It's got everything. We started this minute. He's, you know, we started this minute with Danny Trejo just not giving a flying fuck about what what he's doing. <laughs> We're ending it with Pacino equally uh, giving no fucks about um, the, uh, the the plight of Alan Marciano. Um, uh, another great minute coming for you guys. Another previous minute you guys will catch us um, on. There's just um, having a great time on the show. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, review, um, uh, and you know, lots of great minutes, lots of great guests. Mark is definitely coming back. There's more Pacino for us to have in another, ooh, circa, you know, uh, 80s, uh, where are we at? You know, there's we're at 73, so there's like, Damn, 97 episodes to go. Wowza. So um, there are 97 episodes to go, so we'll find time to get Mark back. Mark, thank you so much again for being a part of One Heat Minute and joining us on the show. A pleasure as always, Blake. You know, I mean, anytime I get to talk about Heat, which now having released the book, I may have said this before, um, I think this is Pacino's um, most expansive film. I think it's the film where you get the most different types of Al Pacino. You know, I know the Do- the Godfather is obviously the greatest film ever made, but at the same time, from here, as I said earlier, you get the method, you get the comedy, you get the seriousness, you get the romance as well. Let's not yeah. forget that you know he's still very good looking in this film as well. So for me, I always kind of say that if you want the full spectrum of Pacino, you've got to watch Heat. And I would equally say that for De Niro. The more that I watch it, yes. particularly that that scene, the scene in the coffee shop for everyone, you know, that perfection, Michael Mann talks about it, take 11. And I actually found, Mark, just so you know, this is a nice little bit of trivia in that in one of the early trailers, they use an alternate cut of, of De Niro's dialogue. Like Really? The, yeah. So in, one <laughs> of the, so in the actual scene, De Niro says, and I will not hes- hesitate, not for a second. And then in the trailer, it actually says, I will not hesitate for a second. And I'm like, that's, that's got to be an alternate take. It's not the actual take that we saw, which is take 11. But I agree. When I, look at, when I look at De Niro in this, they're both peak handsome for their careers. They both look, you know, as, as adult men, they're like handsome. They're not the young man, you know, brash handsome that they were when they were younger. They're the most handsome they are as adults, which I think is a, real, it's a very valid point. And the next thing is they both do hugely different things. I think it's this movie leans into both guys' strengths. Um, and, yeah. you know, there is not another scene where either of those actors act against someone as good as them, except for the Godfather movies. So Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Like, which they're both in. We know which they're both in as well. Which so. they're both in as well. <laughs> We're going round and round in circles They're both here, in as really. well, but here we are. Um, Mark, yeah. thank you so much again. Guys, markserby.com at Mark underscore Serby if you want to check him out there. His book, Al Pacino, The Movies Behind the Man, is excellent. Um, a sack of interviews in his book about heat. It's where Studi Casals, great. You know, so for all psychopaths like me, this is one of the essential pieces of research that needs to happen for this project. Um, always a pleasure to have Mark on. Mark, thank you so much again. 
Gus Franklin, thank you for our web design. Mr. Paul Davies, thank you for our awesome theme. And guys, as always, thank you for listening. We'll catch you on another Minute of Heat around the corner. <laughs>